Hello and welcome to another GateDrop.com podcast. I'm with Brian Jorgensen. And Brian, we know, has had a very successful Grand Prix motocross career, but now is venturing into the other side and he has a very exciting new coaching trip to to really plan and explain. Consistent coaching, Brian, it's called. And if yep. you want to let us know straight away what brought this this plan to, to your mind and how good you think this will be for, for riders, especially at the elite level? Well, um, one of the, the basic things why I wanted to start a consistent coaching uh, is, of course, like um, a lot of years behind motocross, uh, starting in a young age, didn't have a lot of knowledge of how to train, when to train, what to eat and, and, and when to eat the right things. So I think for me, it's really important to come out with all my experience of, uh, of the things that I learned over the years, uh, because you can say, that when when you are learning the process, you know you you will always um, um, there will always be things that you, you 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 have to learn, and that takes a lot of times because you are finding out like a year later later maybe that ah uh, this this training was not good enough, or it was not hard enough, or maybe I trained too much, you know. So uh, my idea is to come out with this consistent coaching and really be able to help uh, you know young riders and, and established rider and and elite riders that uh, what to do and and when to do things. So being able to follow the riders uh, for for the whole process of winter training, which we all know and uh, <clears throat> basically me now that understand that the winter preparation is one of the most important things to become successful during the season. So you earlier we can start with, with, a, with a good program, you easier it is to actually follow through and being on top level the whole season. So when, when I started motocross, you know, uh, and, and professional level, I actually thought that when I was finished with the season, I could maybe have, you know, two or three months off. And I, I it, it's not like I didn't want to train, but I just didn't know better. So uh, a couple of years into my professional uh, career, I, I find out that one of the most important things is actually to, you know, first of all, to build on for the next step and to progress in a better condition and to be able to do more quantity of, of training as well and more intensity. And to do that, you need a good foundation of, uh, of conditional uh, physical condition. <clears throat> so this is what I learned over the years. And that's basically how I, I started this consistent coaching. Is uh, it's two different programs. It's for elite riders that really wants to improve, are willing to, you can say, put a lot more effort into it, but maybe don't quite have the ability themselves. So I I start in uh, in October and uh, we do cycling and we do gym work. We follow that through uh, until December. You know, with with physical training and and gym work, they get a plan uh, written out when they have left, you can say, Spain, where I live here, uh, after a week of training. And then I start with motocross training in December and uh, and follow through the, the, the whole season and guiding them and, and helping them to uh, to progress and, and hopefully re- receive their goals. And you have a lot of experience. Obviously, your, your riding style and fundamentals was always very technically proficient. And you've just explained there that you've had to learn a lot of things yourselves, I'm sure, through trial and error on the fitness side. In America, they have obviously a lot of training centers and, and different things for your fitness, for your riding. Mm-hmm. This is obviously somewhere in Spain, really good weather in the winter, which isn't always the same in Belgium or the here in the UK or, or even Denmark. Mm-hmm. So for a, a young rider who may be in your position now, who doesn't maybe have parents who really know the sport or have contacts to, to get this information, Mm. This would this from the outside would obviously be a golden opportunity to get training from someone of yourself on a riding level, but then also to have that fast track really on what you need to do as a base to ride at a level like the World Championship, which as we know is an extremely high level and it's a very deep field and all these guys are doing what you're gonna gonna be showing. So it's it's a fast track really to, to get to your potential. Yeah, definitely. You know, like I said, um <clears throat> when I started working with with you can say one uh, one of the biggest talent you have in the UK uh, right now, Bobby Bruce. Yeah. I'm sure if you ask him about you know Brian Jorgensen and and what we have done together so far, he he thought in the beginning I was mental. 
you know, and and he saw that when we were pushing and when we sacrifice and when we are, you know, suffering together, going uphill or, you know, whatever we do in the mountains or riding the motorcycle, that I actually enjoy those kind of drills, you know, okay. where I had to kind of convince him and say, you know, this, this is what you need to do because the drills and, and the training and the, um, the the satisfaction or the the what can you say the, the the sacrifice and things that we do out here is you know when we sit behind the gate and it's gonna be lama or it's gonna be a very tough track with hot you know a hot condition you gotta be suffering all the way through the motor you know even whatever shape you're in so you have to learn how to suffer and and to train hard and to put that extra effort into it. So I think for me, it, was, it became natural, like I said, in, I lived in Denmark before for, for many years after my professional career. And, and I always wanted to do this dream, you know, because I know what, what to do and how to do it. But to be honest with you, to sit in Denmark in, in November with, you know, rain and, yeah. and minus five and, and 10, maybe that's not an ideal training camp. So, um, so that's why, you know, in the position I'm in now, living in, in Spain and it's just easier for me to organize the, some consistent coaching, you can say, because the consistency of the weather is also a little bit different, both for cycling, uh, so you make sure you don't get ill, and, and also for motocross, where we normally use the facility of red sand or CDG or uh, different tracks, so we have a little bit of everything. So this is the, the basic thing why I want to do this. And you can say my consistent coaching, is uh, there's, there's two ways of it. There's an elite program, which is um, it's built up for riders that wants to be really good at what you're doing. Could be you know British top British uh, championship level, uh, it could be European championship or world championship. But the most important thing is those riders that they want to improve of what they're doing, uh, you know, physically and and also the technical aspect of riding the motorcycle because that's another important thing. You know what I also been working with Bobby Bruce he's quite a talented rider but it's not all about just you know going wide open and be really fast and do things you have to do it in the right way and we have to you know you have to be a lot more um, strategically more smart of when you actually train during the season so all the off-season training kind of have to go on to the to the season training when you have a good condition you can maintain a good level through the whole season and that's basically some of the things that I that I have learned a lot from from racing, you know. And we saw I was speaking to you in Lama last weekend, thirty degree heat. They didn't level the track overnight. Those are the weekends where it's not what you did in the last month. Those are the weekends where it is what you did in October, November, December that yeah. really pay off. And I guess that's the sort of mentality, but also plan that you're able to implement. These riders coming up, these elite riders with big dreams. This is where yeah. you can come in really key and develop that mentality and, and strategy for July and Lama whenever it's that's kind of a pretty grill. Yeah, you know what the, the, you know everything what the, what this program is all about, like uh, the the drills that we do together. I mean, I cycle with the riders. I mean, I'm willing to to um, to to suffer with them, you know. Mm. But I think it's most about building up the routines of being a professional athlete, you know, like. Uh, we are training today, we are doing it tomorrow as well, and we are doing it to, you know, next day as well, and we do it the next month, and we're doing the next month, because the drills that we do, the consistency of doing what we do, going to make a huge difference. To do that, we need routines every single day of our life, you know, we cannot get up at seven o'clock one day, and then say, ah, today I'm going to sleep till nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. I find out in my career that the key to success was really to have a routine in my life. You know, everything from what we spoke about on previous interview, you know, getting up in the morning at the same time and all those drills I built up through my boot camps, you know, with the, with the consistent coaching. So everyone, when they come to the season, I don't have to be at every single race. You know, I could maybe be to some of the races like I did with Bobby Bruce as well. I do with Yamaha as well. But to be honest with you, I want the riders to be independent. You know, I want them to understand what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And that's something that we do doing through the winter. You know, when we have all those drills, you know, give them advice on nutrition, when to drink. You know, why do we get up at a certain time every day? That's to get consistency. You know, when you have consistency and you build up routines, 
then you are able to progress of doing something. But you only get a, up and do something today and ah, tomorrow I don't feel like doing it. You're not going to be able to build on and, and progress in, uh, in, in racing or condition. I was speaking to Zach Osborne, I think it was at the Motocross of Nations at Matterley Basin, and I asked him what he felt Alden Becker brought to his program. And he, he used an interesting word for me, accountability. So everything he did, he was responsible for. And he had someone essentially pushing him and overseeing, as you mentioned, that consistency. Mm. And I would imagine that's what you will give the riders that join your program. You're giving them a plan. You're going to make sure they stick to it. And I think even when they go back to whatever country they're from or their home, you'll still be able to monitor their training. And again, that's another form of accountability. So as you were saying there with the plan, I would imagine that's a very important part of it, that they have that accountability to you, but also to themselves throughout the stage once you create that plan for them. Of course, it's a, it's an important thing to have, you know, a lot of self-motivators, motivation to do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I also find out, you know, through being a coach, it's not everyone that have that, you know, self-drive of doing everything themselves. You know, I learn to do those things and I learn, you know, that motivation comes from interest of what I do as well. But also because I've always been alone, you know, I actually almost came to a point in my career where I felt that I don't want any help now because now I can do it myself, you know. But at that time, I spent a lot of years, you know, maybe not knowing or, you know, not doing things in the right way. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, it's important to help the young riders, you know, because in the beginning, everyone, I believe most people in a young age, they want to get away with getting maximum results and putting minimum effort. Yeah. You know, and I was like that myself, you know, yeah. I, I told also before that my dad wants me to run when I was about 11 years old. My dad wants to uh, say that I have to run three times a week or two times a week, three kilometers. And I thought he was absolutely crazy. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I also knew that, you know, that that was a um, that was a commitment that I have to give to him also because he was getting up at four o'clock in the morning doing things. So I kind of also had to do something for him. And because it's a very physical sport and one of the maybe one of the hardest sport in the world you know i did that and then later on it became a routine and later on it actually became like a fully committed things that i didn't even think about you know i i love to train you know today i don't need to train you know basically if you know i'm i'm not out there to bring out results of course it's more like of a, a self how can i say self esteem you know i love to be fit and I love to go out with, with you know, the riders like Bobby Bruce and they they think I'm fucking mental because I'm, I am in good shape. I don't back down, you know, when we push and, and we suffer, I, I will go to the end, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so for me, it becomes like just a, a, a normal thing in, a, in life that is I don't think about emotions. If I want to go cycling or whatever, I actually enjoy to push myself and I enjoy to train. And hopefully I can guide some riders over in that direction that, it's not every time you get up in the morning that, oh, I have to train today. Oh, I have to do this. It's more like a, a need. I need to go training. You know, I, I really love to go training because I know it's good for me, but also because I want to reach that goal, what I have set for myself. And that's another problem maybe with, with some writers that they're not very good or capable of, of setting goals. And I think that's one of the key words as well is to, keep setting new goals you know when i was my biggest dream was become a danish champion you know and mm-hmm. when i became a danish champion i was i was bored of it it's like fuck and now i want to be you know a european champion and then you know i took that next level and and became a european champion and then you know my biggest dream was to become a world champion in 125 i finished six and moved back to the you know up to the to the big class with the big boys in mxtp class but my goal and my drive was always to think and believe that I could win a world championship because that's why I kept drilling and drilling and drilling to receive that goal, you know. But we also have to think about not everyone can get there for whatever reason, you know. But it's important, like I say to the writer, it's not important for as much, you know, what you achieve, but it's important to give your best. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we have to set big dreams in life and not always we receive or we we achieve those big dreams, but it's important to have something to look forward to. That's why people play the lottery. 
you know they they're like the, the chances of winning the lottery are like yeah my, microscopic you know it's 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 almost impossible but still there's people there is winning the lottery you know and that's the same kind of feeling I always had, you know, I, I want to be a world champion. Of course, you more drills that you put in, you more closer, you're going to come to that goal. And realistic is going to, you know, your dream can come to reality when you keep believing in the process. And when you put that work in, I would imagine the satisfaction is greater when you do achieve the goal because you've invested everything into that to, to achieve that. There's there's nothing better, you know. Uh, like I said before, you know the the podiums I had in my career, and especially my first podium in the MXGP class, mm -hmm. you know, riding with the best riders at the world at that time, you know, Stefan Evers, Monique Bervold, you know, uh, Pete Pete Byer, uh, you know, uh, Young and and uh, and Joel Smith, they were my kind of people that I look up to, and suddenly I was there in the mix, mm -hmm. you know, just treating them not like. Oh, they're really good but actually just have respect for them mm -hmm. but then actually fuck I, I actually belong here and why I thought I belong here was because all the drills and all the hard work that I put into it so I thought why not me and then the, you know then when you start beating them I mean they, there is no you know much better feeling in life mm -hmm. when you actually kind of you know achieve those goals because it's such a long you know time that it takes to get there and you have to be very patient and you have to learn and you, you break down and it's like psychological, you have injuries and you come back up again. So when you actually win like one of your long-time goals in life, it's, it's, so in, it's so impossible to explain what kind of satisfaction that is, you know. I saw it with, my, with myself. I actually also saw it with Flanders, you know, when he won in Sardinia, you know, that kind of feeling of, of beating the best you know and uh, coming maybe from a from a place where you have to travel to get to another place in the yeah. world to try to become someone in another country in a in another region of of the world is is not easy and there's you know you are completely alone in the process mm -hmm. and um, that's just an amazing feeling and um, for people that don't know you were teammates with Stefan Everts and you, you talked about resetting goals with Stefan became the greatest in titles and wins. So you got a, a view up to what he did and then also what you had to do in modern times. Obviously, Jeffrey Hurlings, he's on the cusp of breaking Stefan's GP win record. If it wasn't for injuries, he could well be up there with the, the 10 world titles or nine with Karuli. Those guys, you've got a window into Stefan Everts. You've watched probably raced Caroli at some point and say no Jeffrey Hurlings and currently Tim Geyser in terms of motivation do you have a lot of admiration for them and were you able to learn from the likes of Stefan Everts that even the, these elite riders that you will be coaching you can give information on their careers and their relentless motivation I would say to keep winning even when they've won so much yeah, I mean, um, I, I think what is really really interesting with, with athletes and and you know, now I'm in a in a cycle of motocross athletes. It's uh, it's amazing when you've been a rider yourself. You know, I did it my way. There was definitely things that I learned that I could have done in a different way if I had more knowledge. Uh, Stefan Edwards did it his way. He was ten times world champion, one hundred and whatever Grand Prix wins. Amazing career. Uh, he did it his way, and then you have Jeffrey Hurlings, and then you have Antonio Caroli, which. I would probably define as as legends, you know, like yeah. uh, amazing writers, amazing, you know, uh, personality, uh, good or bad, you know, that's up to people uh, decide the best who is their, you know, main, main, uh, what who of the writers they like the best of personality. Mm -hmm. But I think is really what is really interested in this sport is that there is no like notebook or, or um, like a, a completely guideline for how to be the best rider in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were running or you were doing cycling, for example, there's, there's, there's probably a lot less things that you have to think about how to become the best. You know, if you can cycle with, with this kind of bat going uphill in a mountain and you can do the distance and you have a good mentality, there's a good chance that you're going to be really good at this, you know, for cycling. But for motocross, there's so many different things that can go good, but they can also go wrong. And everyone have their own little, you know, way of doing it. But I think at the end of the day, it comes down to the mindset. You know, how do you think about your success 
and how do you actually get over your injuries and how smart are you and how patient and how confident are you in yourself to do the right things at the right times when you come back from injuries or not getting injured, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a very, uh, very interesting subject. You know, if you took like Stefan Edwards, Caroli, Jeffrey Hurlings, uh, other great champions and you put them up and said, what did you do compared to this guy? I'm sure that there's completely different levels of how they did it, how they, you know, who trained the most and got less titles and who trained a little bit less but got more titles because of talent. Uh, same like Caroli, he's, he, he comes across in me not a guy that pushed like unbelievable every day like mm-hmm. Jeffrey Hurlings. He, he, he's very good at having fun and doing things what he likes. Yeah. He's on it when he's on the bike and he's off it when he's off the bike. You know, like where... A mental, almost a mental break. From the, uh, yeah. I and, and I think that's a very good way of, of handling, you know, I was never really good at that. I never really... Um, allowed myself to do other things than training and, you know, being hundred percent dedicated and, and things. Why that was, was probably because I wanted so much. I want to take every chance, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you are alone in another country and you don't have your family and friends, you know, there is only one thing and that's just training and, and try to perfectionize yourself all the time to become better. And, uh, you know, eating better, sleeping better, you know, doing everything, what what it takes to become a perfect athlete uh, but that means also that you're thinking about racing all the time which i also don't believe that's a healthy thing mm-hmm. i think it's good to go out with friends i think it's good to do other things uh, because that takes your minds and and your pressure of your racing because when i think of most of, of the the best results that i have it actually came from from a little bit being injured and mm-hmm. spending time off the bike giving my body a rest, giving my mind a rest and actually coming back and incredible, you know, beating the best riders in the world. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that also puts a little bit of a, a, a extra analyze on my career. You know, is it important to train? Yes. But is it also important to recuperate? Yes, very much. Is it important to, to put your training drills at the right time of the season, off season, where you don't, have all the races and the traveling and everything. Yes, it's so important. And then when it comes to the season, when you have done all that work, then you can kind of relax because now all the fun starts because the fun is racing people and and seeing the achievements that you have done over the winter and the hard work that you have done. You know? So And then you can recuperate it because then you have time to take a, a, a slowly day when you're not riding so much, maybe not riding as much in the week because you have done all that work. And also when it comes to injury, you know, when you have done a lot of load of work and you have been organized during the winter, if a small injury comes up before the season, mm-hmm. yeah, you have a little bit of extra gap, you know, to say, okay, but I've done my work. Yeah. In 2004, when, when, you know, I thought that was going to be my season, if I had any chance to be a, become a world champion, you know, I had one injury uh, just before the GP. I didn't ride because of a, um, a big crash uh, where we had an engine fail. Okay. And then I came back and I was second and I was second. And then I find out that, okay, I had to make operation in my carpal tunnel. And then I didn't ride again for three weeks and came back again and won in Teutzenthal. And then, you know, going to Belgium, being second in Sweden, I was second. And then I got another small injury with my foot. So I lost overall eight Grand Prix that year, mm-hmm. but I still finished eight in the world. Uh, you know, so every time I was back, I, I was, you know, riding with the top guys and that I could only do because I did such a hard work over the last, you know, three or four seasons where I built up such a good foundation of being in good condition. Ryan Dungey was very interesting to me when he moved to Alden Becker to train with Alden Becker because he was always known as very hardworking. Yeah. But when he moved to Alden, his results improved. And to me, it he couldn't have been much better because he worked so hard before. It looked that there was a mental confidence that came with trusting Alden Becker that what he was doing was enough. Mm. Maybe for guys coming through that will go into your elite program, maybe that structure that they have with you because of your experience will give them confidence because they know they're doing the right thing then. And we've seen with Duns even at the, the highest level in America, just having that 
security, mental security, that this is mm. the best trainer. I'm doing everything I can do. There's no more doubt. He was yeah. then able to execute to his absolute best potential. And even for the guys that you'd be working with, I would imagine yeah. mentally that will give a bit of confidence too and align with all the work they're doing. Yeah, I believe in, you know, I really believe in preparation. You know, uh, preparation is is definitely the key to success. You know, I, it's not only in sport, but it's a business. It's, a, you know, anything what you do life when you have to go up to school, you know, preparation do feed success. And the more you can prepare yourself, the stronger you will be mentally as well. I believe one of the reasons that, you know, Jeffrey Hurling is uh, is doing the results that he's doing is, is of course, the way that he functions is that I think his kind of drills or, or his strength is that he said, if I need to be the best, I need to train a lot more than the best. So that's his way to success. If that's yeah. because of a little bit of lack on his own confidence, that he just know when he sit behind the gate and said, there's just nobody that is as fit as me. Where you have Antonio Caroli thinking, you know, maybe he's doing a little bit less of work, but he just have that self-belief and confidence in himself. Mm-hmm. This is my analyze. I could be yeah. completely wrong. Uh, but where I was probably myself, I was like, I also wanted to, to, to train hard, you know, to to make sure that I sit behind the gate and I was in a good shape and not allowing myself to take some time off. Yeah. But maybe that was a little bit of lack of confidence uh, from from a from an early age, you know. So there, there's so many different ways, but I do believe that um, success comes from preparation. And that's the thing that I want to help the writers with, you know, to understand that, you know, first of all, success, you know, with 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 being early out and, and doing training, you know, you can afford a little bit of a, mm-hmm. a, let's say a small injury or something like that and still be ready for the season where when I started racing, we, we started so late in the season. And then we had to ride the motorcycle and we also had to run in the morning, like mm-hmm. full, full throttle in the morning, you know, because that's, that's how we got learned by the Danish coach at that mm-hmm. time. You know, we had to run like 10K in the morning and we was like fucking completely finished when we when we finished the training. And then we had like breakfast and then we had to go out and ride for two or three times, 40 minutes. And, you know, we haven't ridden the bike for, for, for three months. <laughs> so, you know, by the by the third day of the week, we were completely finished and then we start making mistakes. And then there was a lot more opportunities that could come for, for crashing and, and, uh, and having injuries, you know. So... That's why I like, okay, so we do a program that is going to be working and based on physical condition first that we're going to do two times, uh, October, November, and then we're going to go on the bike. And when we start on the bike, we're going to start on, you know, doing different drills that will will feed off the, the, the good preparation that we have done. And it's also easier, me as a coach, to actually, when you follow the riders, it's like, okay, I've done the drills with you. I know that you have consistency and you have a good routine in your life because not even, not only when you're with me, but when you're home, I can follow you on Strava. I know what you're yeah. doing and, 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 and all those things. So for me, it's easier to push them when we come to that point of the, the season leading up to the, to the races, you know, leading up to the season thinking, okay, guys, now, now it's time to, uh, to put the drills down and now it's time to, to push. And then when they say to me, yeah, but I'm tired, I know they're not tired because you can be mental tired or you can be physical tired. And the physical tired is, of course, something that I will know because, you know, I know when you have done all those drills, you are not tired now. It's something that you think you are, but you are not. And that gives me a great confidence to work with the riders and say, yeah, but guys, we have done all this work. It's not possible that you are tired now. So... That's a, that's basically one of the, the interests. And, and like I said, the, 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 the other part of the coaching program is a more, um, you can say for, for, I don't know if I want to call it an average writer, but someone that, that wants to, uh, to progress as well yeah. and, um, and wants to be better. And there's not going to be as close, um, um, how can I say, in contact with the writers, but they get a program, they get an idea of, what kind of drills to do on the bike and what kind of drills to do off the bike. And uh, I think both, both ways are very good guiding line of what you, you can do and, 
what you have to do. And then you are maybe, you know, not everyone stands by their words when they said, I want to become professional. You know, it's like, yeah, okay. So do you know what a word professional means? You know, that means, you know, like four to six hours every day, you know, working not only tomorrow or the day after, but, but I basically, you know, train 360 days a year. You know, if I had like, you know, a week off where I didn't do anything, which I cannot remember the last five years of my career, but I always did something, you know, but what is important to understand, what is the difference between recuperation training where you're just maintaining the condition or you're just keeping yourself, you know, in, in a, in, in a movable uh, way of, of still keeping your body fit or what is the interval training? What would that do to your body? You know? So I find out basically, okay, when the season is finished, I'm going to take a small break just to go off my mind. And then yeah. I'm going to start working on my basic condition. That's with lower heart rate, building up the foundation. And then you start slowly to build up towards the season where, of course, when you come over to the start of the season, that's where you start drilling down and pushing yourself because now you need the, you know, you can say you need to your lung capacity to be bigger as well, to have a little bit extra. So when, you know, when you take the start or when you're in the start and there's a lot of people pushing and you're a little bit out of breathing, when you have a, a bigger lung capacity because of interval training and, 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 and a hard training, you have a little bit more extra to give, you can say. So, uh, so that's basically why I, um, I I find it such an interesting thing, and I'm really excited for um, you know to come out with this and uh, and let people know of, of what I do and and why I'm doing it. Maybe most important. And just to recap, then for the for the hobby riders that want to do the, the shorter program, yeah, we're giving them physical training nutrition and technical on the bike advice regarding fundamentals and practices all in the same same package same conversation yeah you can say if if, if i can just drill it down to like we we, yeah. we start with the the lead riders uh of, of for the guys that wants to be you know trained on a, on a professional uh level you know so with them i do um two or uh, three uh, i do two uh boot camps on cycling and gym I do um, uh, two. Uh, I do three uh, boot camps on uh, motocross, so there would be physical and technical aspect of riding the motorcycle. Then I will follow them through with a program uh, from for the season, what they have to do between uh, when I don't with them. So that's a very intense program is for riders that really wants to improve a lot and maybe even European World Championship or even British Championship on a high level. For the other program is also consistent coaching, but it's more for for average rider that is just searching for for a program. I have other courses in in Red Sand where they can come down and get technical aspect and get a lot of a small fifth and and ideas of how to ride the motorcycle in a better way. And then I will have one a uh, one uh, group call with them uh, discussing about the program, and then they're basically. Um, doing their own thing with the with the program and i will send a new program every month so that's just how it's going to run uh, when we do the group call it i open up for possibility of questions you know if people want to ask about something that they don't understand in the program or maybe there's some ideas but it's it's to get the feeling that they are part of a, a kind of a community where we all have a little bit of responsibility you know mm-hmm. uh, same with the lead writers, you know, they have a responsibility to, you know, if you want to say to me that you want to be one of the best, my responsibility is to give them a good program, but their responsibility is to do the things that they get told. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's what I want to do with a, what you can say, a less experienced writer and not maybe world championship writers. I want to also want to give them a program to try to increase the idea of getting in a, in a better physical shape and see how much that would actually do. Um, and that's going to be different um, trails also in the program where they have some understanding about nutrition. They have so, the program for when to eat and how to eat and, and when actually to do the, the hydration. We are also so lucky that in elite program, but also the other program we are, we are supported by, you know, 
one of the best nutrition uh, and and the hydration company in the world, like Rhino Power. Mm-hmm. So I started working closely with them uh, because it's been really difficult to find a product that actually mm-hmm. been been um, how can I say uh, been proven to be to be good at at motocross because we are between an interval and a, 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 what you can say a endurance sport. So yeah, and and it's difficult. It's difficult to find products, and I see that myself when I'm out cycling. You know, here in Spain, where it's it's really hot. You know, mm-hmm. to actually find products where you don't just get filled up with a lot of sugar, and then you burn that off the first twenty minutes, and then you're just riding on a on a on a what we call a cold turkey. I'm not sure that it's the same in <laughs> in, uh, in English, but you know what I mean, where the sugar just drops, and you just feel like you you need sugar. You know, yeah. you need to stop for for Coca Cola or something like that. So you can say Rhino Power is one of the, the, the only product that I know that is not filled up with sugar. And that means that you can actually also give this to young kids uh, without giving them a sugar rush and they, they go around like this, you know. So, so um, there's, there's, there's going to be a lot of guidance and going to be a lot of um, uh, inspiration of how you can become a professional writer. Yeah. Uh, but maybe just in, in general, just having more consistency of what you do. So we'll move on to one of the riders you're co- currently coaching. He'd had a big injury this year, but he was progressing really well in the intervening years, Bobby Bruce. Yeah. Uh, he's going to finish the season in MX2, which is he just did a British championship there in the mud last weekend. Pretty good can, results around top five, but now stepping up to MX2. Would mm. you take on a rider of Bobby Bruce's talent? Do you obviously you're putting your time into him as well and expecting him to put in the the effort? Do you sort of analyze the guy to see how badly he wants it as well? Is the mental side, the dedication, the heart part of the criteria for taking obviously Bobby on, but in your program, these elite guys, you want the heart as well as the talent, I would presume? Yeah, I mean I mean I have seen a lot of talent. Um but I have seen less heart. No, not not in in specific Bobby Bruce because yeah. he he I believe you know with so far that what I have seen he really have the heart and desire to be you know to become the best. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 um, it's kind of a I think it's it it you know either you have a lot of talent and then you don't really have a lot of heart or you have a lot less talent and you have a lot of heart. So to find a, a rider that have that combination mm-hmm. with which I would say Bobby have and and maybe he have now, I wouldn't say in the beginning because I'm sure if you ask him, uh, how is Brian Jorgensen mental states when it comes to training? He said I'm absolutely lunatic, uh, but uh, because he he see that I like to suffer, you know, I I love to to push myself. Yeah. Uh, so I think he he learned how to love it because of the benefit that you get out on race day. You know, when we did European Championship last year, you know, to keep him on a good level during the season, yeah. you know, finish second in the European Championship, leading on to the four-stroke this year, was a little bit unlucky, twisted knee. You know, they came up to me and they said, ah, what do you think? Should we make up a race? You know, he can ride through. The doctor said that he can ride through. And I'm like, right. don't even think about it. You know, I had knee problems since I was 16 years old. Right. I lost both of my crucial ligaments. Uh, I had problems with my knee and and have it a lot less today because I'm I'm not racing and and doing. But I had to change completely my riding style to be able to continue to be a world championship rider. Yeah. And if I could have changed what I know today, but because I was so small and there was not a lot of technician uh, around having knee surgery, you know, they said, oh, you have to be 19 or 20 before you can have a knee surgery. Furthermore, they said it was 12 months to recuperate or more. I didn't have 12 months once I turned professional, you know. Yeah. So so to guide uh, Bobby and said, okay, I know it's we worked hard since December. It's absolutely devastating that we are in this situation now. But you have to think that your career is just started. Yeah. You know, you're, you're just trying to make your marks. And if we carry an injury from last year into next season, and then you show that you can really be and you get a factory ride or whatever that would happen in the future, but you're still having problem with your knee, you know, the, the career is finished. 
So it was really important to guide me with my, again, with, with my knowledge and my experience say, okay, we stop now. Let's get that operation. And I was very uh, lucky that I had some good, you know, friends like um, Joel Smith. You know, he got me in with, with, with Dr. Klaas and, and uh, got a quick, you know, uh, appointment there, mm-hmm. get the operation done. And, and now we are ready and this, the knee is, is, is stronger than ever. And that's also one of my guidings to the writers, you know, mm-hmm. just just listen because yeah. I have done I have done it all, you know. I have that's tried. Thing, isn't it? You've, the, the trial and error almost for your career that will benefit them. Or as you mentioned, Bobby, in that situation, if you yeah. weren't there, he might have soldiered on and it could have. Been I'm sure he would have said, "Ah, oh, but I can I can do it," yeah. you know. It's I want to do it. I've done all that work, but I just know from from being young and you know sticking your legs out wide open going into a corner. If that crucial ligament is not there and you mm-hmm. you proceed the 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 corner like that. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna go worse, and then the meniscus is gonna go. The the bone is gonna crack off, and I know the whole process because you know I've been there and done it. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so I think for for Bobby, it's it's great. You know, he's gonna come back in Sweden. I'm gonna travel out tomorrow uh, to work with with him during the weekend. He's gonna stay with me in Sweden doing a, a little bit of training together before Finland. And one of the most important things, of course, with coming back after injury is, and that's also from experience, is that yeah. one of the hardest things is that you think that you can gain everything that you have lost in, yeah. in a short yeah. time. But it doesn't happen like that. You know, even if I have all that experience, I remember when I haven't raced for three years when I was a national coach in Denmark, and then I did it at Danish Championship, you know, and it was so difficult. The first race, I was completely, you know, like, uh, I, st- I still quit, did quite well, but I remember all those things that you, you know, with racing, the start, the the whole procedure in your head, how you do it, how you deal with it, you know, how you deal with the pressure. Mm-hmm. It takes a little bit, uh, a little while to get into this again, you know. Mm-hmm. But once you, you know, let's say like the, the second motor for me, when when I have such a long break, I was straight back at at my 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 good capacity, you know. But that was on that level, you know. But I know that Bobby is going to come back to shape. But we need some races to kind of our goal with those races is to to try to feel where are we, you know, how does it feel, you know, is there anything we can change in the bike? How is the suspension? You know, get some more learning process more to prepare really. for 2023. Yeah. No yeah, no, and and then you know when we finish the season, he's going to have a small break, and then we uh, and then we start drilling, you know, and then we start working yeah. up towards the season. We're not going to start out like. You know, when we do those cycling, we're not going to go like completely mental. We're going to take it slowly. We're going to build up the physical condition, which it's built up by a certain heart rate. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when we start on the bike, we, we we have such a good foundation that it should be possible to start drilling and, and making some good motors that people can sustain, you know, the, the condition for the whole season. I want to talk a little bit about about Jeffrey Herlings, but also the end into the MXGP World Championship last year. Mm. You're, I guess, coaching and technical head on in terms of, of the techniques. And the for me, the very end was a lot about dealing with pressure. And Jeffrey was the one who came up the best there. Mm. He also came back from injury that year. Tim had to deal with an injury. What was your thoughts on that season and on the mental and physical challenges all those contenders had? I mean, Caroli and Prado were in it too until injuries came. And then going into that, that last round for Jeffrey to come out on top. What were your thoughts and analysis of, of all of that and Jeffrey's will to win as well, I guess, played a big part there? Well, well, that's exactly back to the uh, some of the things that we talked about. You know, that guy drills a little bit more than everyone else. So that means when he comes in a in a in a complications uh, with small injuries, he always with you can say like have ten percent more of extra capacity in his body. You know, he he have done all that work. He maybe done like fifteen percent more than any other rider. I mean, I've seen him in red sand during the winter. <clears throat> I know pretty much. You know, if I think that I'm mental of 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 f- feeling good about training, I mean that guy is just on a different. He is on a different planet, no doubt about it. You would have, yeah, for sure. You know, he, he is very very dedicated, and especially the things that he does on the bike. You know, the way that he rides the bike, he probably are also not the most. He's better over the last two or three years when he got on the 450. But I would not say he's the most elegant rider on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. 
he's not like a Stefan Edwards or even a combination of Stefan Edwards and Jeffrey Hurlings, which probably like Caroli, you know, he yeah. can turn it on as well. But he's quite smooth when he wants to be smooth. He yeah. stands up a lot, uses yeah. balance. So I think that the that my analyze of of that last race, I was there in Mantova, is mm-hmm. just that guy just have that, you know, five percent extra. You know, he's like a, a a Lance Armstrong on a bicycle back in the days with, without the doping. But uh, yeah. you know, but but he just have that extra you know he just wanted just a little bit more and i was so impressed when i saw that when i i, I could feel i could basically feel the pressure right. that those riders are dealing with because yeah. I've, I've been there myself i know you know what is expected and when it comes down to the last race and you only have three points difference or how much it was i mean i i could almost not look the first corner i was so excited and and feeling really nervous on their behalf you know but I could see that, you know, that when I looked at Jeffrey's eyes before going into the gate, you know, those eyes already told me I'm in control. I'm going to fucking win this race. There's no, there was no one second doubt in his mind that he was not going to win it. And that's basically the mindset, you know, when you, when you're always telling yourself that you are going to win, you're going to succeed, you're going to be the best. You will get the best, of course, if you also do the drills and, and the background for that is, of course, all the championships that he won, but all the hard work that he had put into his uh, his racing and training, he just had that, yeah, I would say, 5% extra. And and that 5% he needed at that specific, uh, specific race. He, just like... He had to pass Favre to do it. He put a smart block pass in Favre and then... The... The last one, Tim kept the pressure on, and he didn't have to beat Tim. And he, mm. he still, from the outside, you're like it was a risk to still try and win that moto when he didn't need to. But again, that was a sign of his mentality. He didn't want to give Geyser any confidence. He just mm. wanted to show he was the best. Even when he had the title wrapped up, he wanted to win that second second moto, which yeah. again, I'm sure from your side is really impressive under that stress. Mm. Show again shows his mentality. It's it's a ruthless, I want to win and I want to dominate, kind of like Carmichael. Mm. Yeah, and uh, you know, like like you said, he didn't need to win, mm-hmm. but when you don't need to and, and you just want to do it because of your own sake, it's not about the points, it's not about the money, it's actually just about, I want to win. I only understand winning and, you know, this is the greatest satisfaction to finish the season off as a title, you know, a world champion, to win the last race the way that he did. Yeah, just shows that that guy is, you know, he is a, you know, he's a true tramp, and there, there's not anything you can take away from that. I will, when when I analyze Jeffrey, you know, I think he's a great guy. He's an incredible sand rider. He's an incredible motocross rider. But if I had to take some of his weakness, which I can analyze from being a coach, is that he is not so patient. You know, he's 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 sometimes pushing the boundaries, which give him the goods, but also give him the bad, you know, yes. it, it can go either way sometimes. I mean, I saw some of the passes that he did in Mantova and I was like, okay, that was, mm-hmm. that was risky, but he succeeded. And if you are not willing to take those risks, that would have been maybe those three points difference to become a world champion and not become a world champion. And that's why you see if, you know, you got to be willing to take that risk and, and, and play it completely out and, and, you also have to realize that sometimes it just go got good and sometimes it goes bad but that's that's the part of the the racing you know we see it in 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 formula 1 we see it in 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 motor gp we see it in motocross you know it's that's what what champions is all about you know they're willing to take the risk sometimes they you know succeed and sometimes they don't and you can say Stefan was a little bit, he was a great champion as well, but he was a little bit more patient. You know, he will settle for a second. But because he was, he was, had that patience, he, he never put himself in that situation that Jeffrey was in, you know, it, where there's only three points down to the last race. I, I, I don't remember Stefan ever been in that, uh, in that position. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's my analysis. Regarding this season, from that moment in, in Mantova, so much changed so quickly with Roman getting hurt in Paris, mm. and Jeffrey getting hurt in the January. 
Mm. And then Tim's interview straight after Mantova, because he has a bit few more points back going into Mantova, he seemed already motivated for this season. Mm. And to, to me, he's maybe on his highest level ever. It's just a disappointment, Jeffrey and Roman weren't there to, to try and run with him. Mm. Going into next year then, it looks like Tim will wrap this up, all being well, he doesn't have a disaster. Do you think he'll still have the motivation maybe he had from the year before because he's still to beat Jeffrey and straight up essentially in a world title fight that this victory won't quell any desire for him? And Dirk Rubel said in Lommel that Jeffrey's already all-time mm. motivation to, to sort of right everything that went wrong this year. And we've seen mm. Roman come back from the disappointment of the championship, then that very bad injury which ruined this championship. And he's pretty much not far off the pace, even with a bit of illness, even on Lomeli was far too. Mm. The mentality of all these guys to me is already really impressive. And I'm almost jumping jumping ahead the next season to see them, the three of them fit again. But how do you analyze their, their mental strength to recover from all their different situations at this point in time? Mm. I think what what uh, what is in in uh, in consideration here, you know. When you're running against a title contender, you are also looking at his consistency of being able to do every moto. And uh, that consistency have not been with Jeffrey for, for, for many years. Now you're giving that consistency to to Geiser where he actually played at Uppercard all the time and said, okay, you know, if I can beat him, I will beat him. If I don't beat him, then, then, I, then I finish second. You know, I, I, I feel that Tim is that kind of rider. You know, now that he's so confident that he also learned how to back down when you have to back down and put yeah. effort in when you have to put effort in. But it's it's a chess game, you know. It's a chess game, you know. It's a mental game. You have to feel the riders. You have to not give them too much confidence because then they will take advances of it. Yeah. But also, you know, like what Stefan did with us, you know, he was, we, we you know, where we could win, he will, he would try to beat us. You know, when I won in Tyson Tide, he was trying everything to beat me, but then he's like, Okay, I will I will maybe back down here and, and finish second, you know. And and then I will make a mistake the next race or you know, the next GP and then, you know, he had that advances. Yeah. And that's probably the game that, you know, uh, I would say guys I had to play with uh, with you know, with specific uh, hurlings if he wants to win another title uh, against him. He 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 had the the patience because mm-hmm. He's a current uh, world champion this year uh, again with with a with a massive point lead. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be the chess game next year. Uh, it would be very excited to see, but I think that would be the the definition. I was uh, speaking to Chad Reid in Paris last year. I don't know if you heard or, or seen the interview, and I asked him about Jeffrey Hurlings on that title fight, mm. and I thought he was going to be very complimentary towards Jeffrey's performance that year. Yeah. Took a different angle in that. He said Jeffrey was an amazing rider, but he doesn't control championships. No. And I thought that was quite interesting, especially after he'd just won. Mm. Is that what Chad, I think, was alluding to the fact he has the talent and he has the pace. But in terms of 450 championships, he only has two titles when he probably should have at least two or two or three more. Is that what you then you were alluding to there with Stefan and stuff about about that control that Tim is exhibiting this year? Jeffrey maybe hasn't got yet, although on the other side, some of his crashes, I mean, his photo shoot crash at the start of this year was quite unlucky. Mm. How much is the control with him and how much is it sometimes just a bad luck or, or maybe a bad decision with the last couple of injuries he's had? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's like, uh, like we spoke about before, it's like being that patient, you know, knowing, have the feeling of when do we need to back down? What happened on that photo shoot is, it's, for me, it's completely... I, I still don't understand it how it, it's possible, but it's yeah. it's possible. Yeah. Um but um but like I said, he, he's definitely he's been a lot better over the years, uh, from when he rode two fifty, but he is lacking a patience and he is lacking a feeling of when to put all in and when to back down. Yeah. And that's because of, that's that's his strength and that's his weakness. You know, when he when he like I said, when you have a three point lead uh, going into the last race or, or, or three points down you just need to win and he will do it you know yeah. but but it's on the edge it could go either way 
But um, to run a championship, you know, when you have people that is, is as good as him and can push him all along the way and you have consistency like Jim, you know, Tim Geisert have shown over the last couple of years, yeah, it's, it's, you're going to push him to an edge that you want to push him to because you probably think that he's going to make a mistake. And, you know, the, 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 the results kind of shows that he is... You know, when he gets on that that zone where he's been able to make a mistake, he makes a mistake, and that's where a thing goes wrong. Well, is that he's going to come in very motivated next year? Is there a danger mm. then that a year off and wanting to assert himself as the fastest guy in the world again? Is there a well, chance that's... that mistake could come again because he's, he's going to be so so much ang- anger? I would imagine that he's lost another world title due to injury. Yeah, I mean. Oh, it's 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 difficult. You know, I can only say my personal view how I would feel if I came in and, and and I've been a world champion and and been the rider that Jeffrey had before. And of course, the one of the most dangerous things was coming back is to prove. And when you're proving things, you're willing to go more on your limits. And when you go more on your limits, there's a bigger chance of things can go wrong. So I still think it's possible. Uh, but you need a little bit of luck. You need a little bit of luck from Tim Geiser's side that he maybe have a couple of mistakes or he get pressures. But to be honest with you, he's shown a great, you know, great confidence. Tim, mm-hmm. you know, he's been a little bit down in the middle of the season. It was almost like when he built up that points lead up like 90 points, uh, 100 points, it was almost like he didn't need to win more. He doesn't need it. Yeah, and, and now he's been a little bit down and now he started winning again because the other guys, you know, maybe a little bit down. And that feeling and sensation he had there, it's something that Jeffrey will not have, I believe. You know, he will just continue pushing himself even if he have a 100-point lead or he's in one lap in front. It, it doesn't matter because that's his natural instinct and you can never say that's right or wrong. Yeah. But that just brings the, the situation that he's sometimes in. Does it from you've been injured and come back and, and mm. bad injuries? He's had a lot of bad injuries, and he's still always able to come back and mm. become usually the fastest rider in the world again. Mm. Does it impress you that you know, I mean, especially with the neck, he's, mm. he's in the operation to get metal out of the foot he broke four years ago, so he could actually mm. be healthier than he has in four years next year. But still, the mental fortitude to put mm. all that pain behind him, mm. and ride the edge as you mentioned to, to beat a, a rider of. Tim Geiger's quality, Rowan Fevre. Mm. Impress you the, the mental strength he has just to put all that behind him and just as you said, be instinctive and go as hard as he can again. Yeah, definitely. You know, like I said, I I have never had like big injuries. I had, you know, things with, with my knees, which played a lot of part of, of being part injured or you know, but I've never had I've only broke a collarbone. I've never really broken too many bones in, in my body. I've been quite blessed in that way. But one of my reasons to to stop it is it was difficult to prove myself after okay. small injuries and coming back to be proved because it's such a mental game, you know, um, physically and mentally thinking, I can do it again. I belong here. I'm, I'm one of the best. So I can only imagine being him when you are the best, you know, what kind of physical and mental strength that would have on your body. Yeah. It must be uh, amazing. And the... Uh, I think, uh, yeah, you can only do that for for certain years. Um, I, I definitely run in my own career. I've, I've run out of being able to pick myself up and proving to myself I could be one of the best in the world. And, you know, in, in a certain stage, you think like, oh, fuck, I don't know if I have it, what it takes to come back and, and proving again because it's such a mental, you know, drag on, on, on your whole body and, and mentality. So I don't know how many times he can keep doing that. He's also getting older now. Uh, and, you know, I, I do, um, I do believe, believe a lot in, in, uh, in body memories. You know, when body have a certain impact and uh, operations, <clears throat> it's not good for the body. That's basically what you can see, what Roxon is struggling a little bit. You can see when he's riding, he's limiting himself in certain position with his wrist, uh, you know, a lot of people told me you know, technical wise and but also physical wise because he had so many operations and he had so much you can say poisons put into the body which also reacts on the blood uh, you know your blood uh, cells and everything 
maybe that's why he have it difficult to continue being fresh every weekend in and out, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that could also be Jeffrey. And, and you also, no matter what, you know, when you have been injured, it takes time to heal up, but it also takes the brain and the nerve system to actually think, okay, now the injury is gone, you know. And until that nerve system realize that the injury is gone because you don't feel it anymore, you don't have any pain, yeah. then you can, you know, start riding free. Um, I have a final question on Jorge Prado. Mm. If you were, if you can put yourself in his situation right now, it's a difficult season in terms of results, although he's still mm. in and around that podium, top five, those main guys. His technique, like yours, is, is really, really good. I mean, even those first five minutes at, at Lama mm. when he was leading and he was sort of on his egg game, he was fantastic to watch. How will he be dealing with things? Or at least if, if you were him, would you be feeling pressure right now? Is it the bike? Is it a mental thing? Is it a physical thing? Because he's you can still see he's close in the ability and everything's still going mm. to go for an MXGP world title, but it's not clicking for him this year. And this was the year, I think, well, I maybe thought this was going to be his year to mm. do it with the experience he's had the previous two. <laughs> to be honest with you, I, I'm a little bit confused with that, with that, uh, Prado because uh, he's amazing you know technical wise he's amazing he has the, the whole package he's a really nice guy he's mentally proven that he's strong he's I don't well. yeah and, and maybe in a lack of championship contender he may be even a little bit too smart in, in some ways uh, but I I still believe that it's about time and, and time will come to him mm-hmm. at the right moment where he will he will pick that next step. I still think moving from 250 to 450 is, you know, being his size, yes. you know, not being really strong, but just really flexible. And, and <clears throat> I think it still will, will take, you know, a half a year more be- before he, uh, he can be a title contender. But I, I don't doubt his capability of of being a world champion in the in MX class, that there's just something that needs to click, whatever that is, mm-hmm. you know, if that's the bike or the, the, the team or himself, that that's a, that's a big puzzle. But the guy is talented. He's, he's, he's lofty to watch, you know, he's so smooth. He never, he never put you on an edge thing. Oh, fuck that. There he almost went, you know, but maybe that's also his, uh, his weakness. You know, he, he never bring that to the, to, to complete the limit. Like Jeffrey does, you know. Yeah, would Renault's success this year? Who I mean, Prado beat all these guys that are moving up now. Mm. Whenever he was an MX two, even Ruben Fernandez has been very fast. Mitch Evans is getting faster and faster as well. Mm. If you were him, I think he's quite mentally strong. So I'm not sure how much it really would, but would there be a frustration if you were him, having beaten beating all those guys and then having Maxime Renault come up this year and be so instantly successful? Would that play on your mind? If you were in this scenario, or are you just, just Jorge just focused on his own, getting this bike sorted out and fulfilling his own potential? How is it right um, thinking about those things? I mean, Maximum Renault is, is of course, he's on a Yamaha, so mm-hmm. that that tells the no, <laughs> no, um, no. I, I mean, it it would definitely play on my mind when someone comes up being world champion and then start beating the the best in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, you know, as a as as an athlete, you need to you need to believe in your own program. You need to believe that that you will be there. And the the way to get there, he have his own way. Sometimes it takes longer time. I will see if you look at the body wise of of uh, Maximo Renault and Yoko Prado. The way he rides the motorcycle, I would probably think that the way that he won the world championship last year, Maxim, I would predict him as a better 450 rider. So I was still a little bit surprised that he was that good so early, but uh, we saw that also at Motocross of Nation with the uh, was the, the the Spanish rider uh, that rides the Honda, uh, Fernando. Fernando. Uh, you know, he was also really good on the yeah. 450. So with body structure like Prado, it will, you know, with that much technique, it probably takes him a little bit more time to to kind of put out your your elbows towards those big guys. So yeah, you know what, we all have different progress and uh, and different time to do it. I'm sure he's gonna be there. Uh, if it's gonna be this year, next year, nobody knows. But uh, he's he's an amazing writer and uh, that's all he is to that's fantastic, Brian. I think anyone that's listening or, or watching will 
understand from the last half hour conversation on your analysis of the the top MXGP riders in the world, how closely you follow the sport, but also how much you can relate to what they're doing. You can get in their mind, you can look at their technique. And it's these small percentages that in your coaching in the winter, on the bike, mm. off the bike, that I think especially the elite riders are really, really, really gonna gonna benefit from. And I guess that's that's the plan really. It's these one percent yeah. here and there and little bits of knowledge you can bring. Yeah, exactly. But uh, thanks a lot for your time. And uh, like I said, if people want to get more information, go in on mx8.dk. And there you have all the information of the elite program, but also for the other consistent coaching for for, for less advanced uh, riders. So go in and, and, and have a look. And you can almost write me a, a message on Brian Jorgensen MX School on Instagram and Facebook. And um, I will try to answer as good as I can. No problem, and we'll have those details on our webpage and the, on the YouTube platform as well. So, Brian, thank you very much once again for your time, and uh, we'll speak to you soon, no doubt. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you.